Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Two weeks ago, Connecticut Governor Daniel Malloy answered a question many were asking. Would he run for re-election? The answer is no. Today, where we live, we'll ask the state's 88th governor about the future, including how he plans to work with the General Assembly to solve another massive deficit over the next two years. Now, do you worry about tax increases or future layoffs? Are you concerned that important services your town or city provides will be reduced or eliminated? You can ask the governor a question, 860-275-7266. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Also, Where We Live is on Facebook Live right now, and the cameras of CTN are here, too. Governor Malloy, welcome back to Where We Live. Great to be here. So how are you feeling two weeks out from your announcement that you will not seek a third term? Yeah, well, it, it, that's when I made the announcement. I had uh, been working on the decision for a long time before that. Uh, and if you go way back to 2006, when I first ran for governor, I, I said I'd probably only do two terms. I think uh, eight years at this particular job is, is a good number. You were uncharacteristically emotional in that announcement. What was going through your mind? Oh, I, I very listen. I, the room was filled with. Uh, no, that's that, that's a little unfair. I am actually pretty emotional. Um, uh, let, let's start back there. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm deeply gratified for the people who, uh, who have worked with me uh, and uh, for me, and uh, it was a room filled of the, with those people. I'm quite frankly, very proud of a lot of the things that we've accomplished. So uh, that's what the emotion was about. Um, and of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, both my wife and I have devoted much of our life uh, to public service. Uh, I was mayor for 14 years. I was, I'll be governor for eight years. I served on boards and commissions for 12 years before that. Uh, it's a long body of work. Uh, of which I'm, uh, you know, rightly or wrongly proud. When you made that announcement, you mentioned again a lot of people that know you well were in that room. But what about uh, the residents of the state of Connecticut, many who still want to blame you for where we are today? Well, they, they can blame me. I mean, that's their prerogative. I, I, uh, uh, the reality is that Connecticut was going down the wrong road for a long period of time, perhaps in slow motion so people didn't recognize what they were doing. Um, and it fell upon uh, some number of people during a given period of time to, to stop that slow motion. Um, you, don't, uh, you don't stop a train on the, uh, on the spot. If, if you could stop a boat on, on the spot, the, the Titanic would still be floating. Um, but there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I think some of the greatest challenges um, uh, have a lot of culpable hands. Um, you know, a lot of folks didn't provide for the long-term obligations of the state while they were making promises that further enhance those long-term uh, promises. And uh, uh, it was a gigantic mistake. Uh, our underinvestment in transportation, uh, which I think is one of the reasons um, that our economy uh, is not as strong as it could and should be, um, occurred over a 40-year period of time. Uh, our educational decline, particularly in our urban uh, environments um, uh, probably occurred over a 50-year period of time. I mean, you know, these are these are long-term and systemic issues that you cannot change overnight, uh, but you hope to make some amount of progress while uh, you're uh, in a position to do so. Unfortunately, 
Uh, I don't think other people took the job quite as seriously. Meaning they passed the buck. Yeah, that's what they did. They passed the buck. And, and that's not, uh, I'm not simply saying that of any, of any particular office or any particular group of people over a long, and, and quite frankly, not limiting it to elected officials. Um, you know, why, why did it take uh, my administration to put generally accepted accounting principles in place on the first day in office? Why did it take my administration to, to tackle um, uh, the pension obligation uh, in a serious way as opposed to kick the can down the road kind of way, which is uh, what had become so popular over a long period of time? So listen, we're, we're in this together. We've got to find a resolution together. It won't be found uh, overnight, uh, but every day we try to make progress. Um, you announced fairly early that you were not seeking re-election. You didn't want to wait till after the session. Was no, I, you know, I was originally going to do that, and I, I thought, in fairness uh, to all the Republicans, of which I think there are 15 now, uh, who are lining up, and in fairness to uh, the Democratic field that that uh, uh, may or will take shape, uh, uh, that I should get it off. And quite frankly, I was. Uh, you know, I had made the decision, um, and I wasn't going to change my mind. So it was time to move on. Um, it helps a lot of the Democrats that are lining up that are interested because now they have more time to fundraise. Yeah, I think it helps everybody. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a matter of fairness, um, and uh, ultimately, um, I, I wanted to be fair to to both Republicans and Democrats who have their own ideas. Some are calling you a lame duck. You refute that. I, I don't know. You know, I, 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 I'm not running for re-election. If that's your definition, I don't think anyone uh, is going to take me for granted uh, in the coming weeks, coming months, uh, or till the last day uh, uh, we're working in office. When you were thinking about whether you were going to run, were you worried that you may not be re-elected again? No, that was not a, a concern, uh, quite frankly. Uh, my concern was that, that ultimately, morning after morning, I'd wake up and realize I just didn't want to do this job for 12 years. Um, and uh, that's what my decision was based on. Does this job take a toll on your health? No, oh, no I'm pretty healthy. <laughs> I don't, it's, it's not, it, it's, it's an interesting job. It's a great job. I, I, I recommend it to folks. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, lot of work. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, 365, 24 hours. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I I've put a lot into it. We'll continue to put a lot into it. Are you encouraging your lieutenant governor, Nancy Wyman, to run? I, I you know, that's up. I mean, I, what I've said is she has, to, you know, I said it on that day. She has a decision to make. I mean, Nancy and I are very close and, and she's a wonderful human being. And, and I'm anxious, as I assume other people are, to hear what she wants to do. Other well-known names, Comptroller Kevin Lembo, forming an exploratory committee. Bridgeport Mayor Joe Gannam. Is that surprising? It's different. Just different. Different. Um, can we go back to talking about <laughs> um, your your legacy? Um, when you look back at what you've accomplished in the six years, you have two more years left. Yeah. Um, what do you think people are going to remember? Um, I think educational reform, which has already produced the highest graduation rates in our state's history, um, and most of that coming in urban environments. Uh, I think lowest crime rate in 50 years, uh, a prison population that is shrinking rapidly, and a criminal justice system that is more fair. Um, I think a commitment to long-term investment in transportation, which is uh, uh, playing itself out in all forms of transportation, whether it's our uh, large commercial airport or uh, which we uh, change the management 
management of uh, or the rail or the bus or, uh, or long-term investments in making sure that we have a replacement strategy for I-84 in Hartford, uh, uh, for the mixed master in Waterbury, uh, and for improvements on the, the length of 95. Uh, I mean, I could go, uh, you, you name an issue, I'll talk about what we've done on that. I, I understand that the, all of those things may not be understood and, 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 appropriate, uh, and, and appreciated. Uh, another one, I think our commitment to ending homelessness um, in the state of Connecticut, uh, first amongst veterans and then amongst uh, chronically homeless individuals, uh, and our funding of 18,000 units of housing um, uh, that we're currently, uh, we've built about half of that, committed to, uh, another chunk of it's in, uh, under construction and committed to more housing. It's, it's pretty neat to be a state that's actually ended chronic homelessness. That doesn't mean that there won't be people who become homeless, but we've built a system that will uh, get them off the streets and into a, a decent place to live and ultimately trans, uh, transition those folks to permanent housing. Um, I, you know, I, 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 there, there are a lot of things to be, uh, that we should be happy about in, in the state of Connecticut. I'll, I'll, uh, Sikorsky, um, Pratt & Whitney, United Technologies in general, uh, and Electric Boat, um, uh, three companies that many people in the, in the state thought n uh, those jobs were, you know, in, in serious challenge. And we're talking amongst, uh, between those companies, we're talking about 20,000 jobs uh, directly and, and tens of thousands more indirectly um, have all been secured in the state on a, uh, if not a permanent basis, over the next 20, 30 plus years. Uh, that's a pretty significant development, particularly at Sikorsky where we're talking about a whole new product line, um, or at Electric Boat where we're talking about a, a steep uh, uh, increase in production, uh, or at Pratt & Whitney where they have a commercial engine that now has a backlog of 8,000 orders. Um, uh, to have that all made in Connecticut is, uh, and to know that that's going to happen for 20 to 30 years, you know, s some governor in the future is going to look like a genius when all of those jobs hit at once. You mentioned the defense industry, obviously a very important economic driver for the, the state of Connecticut. But when we look at jobs recovery, it's been sluggish. Yeah, 85,000 jobs is, is, uh, is not a bad start. Um, uh, the reality is, is our state was, was hit, you know, arguably uh, in the top three um, states uh, hit by in the Great Recession, uh, and uh, and particularly in some of the marketplaces that we had real strength in, um, some of the financial services. I think also that we are suffering from a long-term liability of not having having invested in urban environments, um, uh, just as America decided to return to cities. Um, uh, you know, if you look at, and I, I used to teach this stuff at, at the University of Connecticut and Stanford, if you look at America's uh, history with cities, we disinvested, underinvested uh, in cities uh, from the end of the Second World War uh, all the way up through about um, 1998, 1999. Uh, then other people kind of figured this out and decided that, you know, the Pittsburghs and the Philadelphias and the, and the New Yorks and the Bostons could have a future uh, and made commitments to those communities, particularly on the transportation side and on the housing side uh, and on the educational improvement side. Um, and uh, Connecticut didn't make those investments. Now, you know, quite frankly, in Stanford, we did uh, while I was mayor over those 14 years. And, and if you look at the amount of housing that uh, was built in Stanford during that period of time and continuing after, and you realize who's occupying um, those units of housing, uh, that's a more, much more vital uh, and attractive marketplace uh, to some folks than, than some of our other cities. That's why the commitment to housing uh, in New Haven and in Hartford and in Bridgeport is so very important. We've got to make these 
uh, job centers more attractive to a new millennial population uh, and people who are choosing to live quite differently than their parents did. Uh, you know, the, 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 it's not hard to meet a lot of people who don't want to own a car. Uh, it's not hard to, to meet people who don't want a backyard. Um, but we didn't develop our cities in such a way that they would appeal to that, that, that group of people and, and we're paying a long-term price. Uh, and that's particularly true uh, with respect to our lack of transportation uh, spending. And we'll get to that uh, later in the hour. Uh, this is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Governor Dana Malloy is in studio with us. You can ask a question of him, 860-275-7266. I want to take a call now. Peter is calling from Stanford. Peter, you're on the show. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, and uh, Dan, uh, Governor, you mentioned about the uh, people moving back to the cities and not wanting, uh, you know, a car or a house or anything. Uh, but the, one of the most ironic statements that uh, John McCain and Barack Obama said in 2008 was that the fundamentals of the economy are strong. Uh, and I mentioned that because nine years later, I don't know if the fundamentals of the economy are strong even today. It's con- I, I think the Great Recession's continued. And I don't think it's your fault or the legislature's fault or anybody's fault. It's, it's quick to place a blame on one person or the other. I think it's a gener- intergenerational thing. You know, not nobody's going to wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to learn how to fix a robot. I'm, I'm going to learn how to, you know, I've been struggling to learn HTML, you know. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it, it just, it, it, the light bulb doesn't go off, you know, if you've been in an industry for, or your grandparents have been in an industry like uh, brass in Waterbury or uh, tool, uh, tools in uh, New Britain, or uh, you know, I think we had a rubber fat. We have all these industries. You mentioned the great industries, pockets that still are thriving, but I think the fundamentals of the economy, and the bad news is it's pretty bad in Connecticut, but the good news is we have great company because it's also pretty bad all, uh, a lot of other places in, in the U.S. and also around the world, too. It's a global problem, too. We have the globalization. Is uh, Peter, let's let the Governor Malloy respond. I, I think you're making uh, valid points, uh, Peter, but but there are uh, uh, places that made better long-term decisions than we did. Um, and so you're in Stanford. I grew up in Stanford. Um, you know, uh, New York had a near-death experience in the 1970s, um, and they learned from it, and they realized that they had to invest in themselves uh, at a, a much greater uh, a rate. Um, uh, we had the, a similar experience. We had a bridge fall down in, uh, in the early 80s, uh, and we spent money on transportation for about three years, and then we stopped. Um, uh, we, we, we didn't build out Metro North to be the system that I, I would envision it to be in the long run. We didn't uh, uh, make 95 uh, a more passable and, and, and successful highway. Uh, we didn't invest uh, in other forms of transportation. I, I, I think um, you make comments about manufacturing. Uh, you know, we're, 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 we're not an inexpensive place to live. Um, part of that is, quite frankly, uh, our own environment. You know, we have hot summers and very cold winters. That Those produce big energy bills. Um, but, but manufacturing was never going to leave the face of the planet. We just stopped competing for it, particularly in the areas where we could be successful, um, like high-value-added uh, precision manufacturing, which is something which is starting to see a rebirth in Connecticut. And, and I mentioned the, the three largest uh, companies, but they, they have a, a supply chain in Connecticut uh, of hundreds of companies uh, that now can feel secure in making their long-term investments, even as their state failed to make those investments and, and arguably may, may fail again. Uh, but, but 
you know, I'm, I'm a student of history. You are too, I guess, Peter. Um, uh, you, can, you can change a trajectory. Um, and some places have been far more successful at doing that than Connecticut. And I've tried to uh, restart that effort. Connecticut Governor Daniel Malloy is in studio. When we come back from the break, we'll find out more about how he plans to work with the legislature to agree on a balanced budget as the deficit is projected to grow even more. And we'll take your questions and comments. What do you want to see Governor Malloy accomplish before his term is up? Join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live, and you can see us live on Facebook Live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Governor Dana Malloy is in studio with us. It's a busy week for him. Today he's meeting with leaders in the General Assembly to talk about how they'll work together to come up with a balanced two-year budget. The challenge to plug a $3.6 billion deficit has grown due to falling income tax collections. Do you have questions for Governor Malloy? Join us, 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Governor Malloy, tell us, um, how bad is the news on income tax collections? Well, I think uh, income tax uh, payments are down, um, particularly by extremely wealthy individuals in our state, um, and uh, that could be for a number of reasons, um, and, and that probably is because of a number of reasons. Uh, but but that's where where it, it, the uh, as far as we can see so far in our early analysis, where where most of this is coming from. So billionaires are paying less taxes uh, in Connecticut at the moment. But but I think it is emblematic of a larger problem, and that is that um, we, uh, for a very long period of time, and I've asked the legislature not to do this, uh, has been putting our eggs in, in, in one basket, and that is that the top 1% would spend, would pay 30 or, or 35 or uh, more percent of our actual revenue. Um, they wake up to that um, at some point, and, and they react, and and uh, and then there are reasons to re react even further, f such as uh, President Trump's election and his promise of uh, tax reform uh, in 2017 um, could be an indication why some people might uh, divert profits that they might have recognized in 16 into 17. That may be part of it. We don't know. Uh, people deciding to live in other jurisdictions. Uh, quite frankly, it was a tougher year than I think a lot of people thought in the hedge fund industry as well. So, you know, there, there are a number of, of reasons, but we are probably the most dependent state on highest income earners um, out there. Um, and, uh, and that makes these swings, um, which are relatively slight um, um, if, if we had a broader tax base, uh, extreme uh, in, in a place like Connecticut. Uh, we had Keith Faniff on Where We Live last week, a state budget reporter. He told us that projections are $450 million short. Is that on target? I, I think we're going to have uh, the numbers later today um, uh, based on uh, the final numbers that came in Friday. So uh, I, would, I, I would expect that, that that's uh, in, in line with what we're talking about. There are some areas where uh, tax collections are up and, and, and the like, uh, and we have a long time to go in the fiscal year. But I think uh, making judgments about uh, where we might be in the next two years 
uh, uh, based on, on filings um, is an appropriate step to take. And what we'll do in, on my side of government is then produce a budget that's in balance. That's what we do every time. Um, and then uh, folks will react to it uh, and uh, hopefully by the end of the session we'll have a budget or at some time in the future we'll have a budget. Uh, we heard from someone on Twitter who wants to know why are projections so off? Um, again, I, I, you don't, uh, be, I, I try to explain part of that. Uh, uh, we, we don't do a survey of our billionaires and say, how much money did you make last year? Um, and so you make assumptions based on quarterly payments. I mean, I can, I can get very technical on this stuff, but, but you don't know until, you, until it's over. One of the interesting things is the first uh, early part of April was actually very strong. Um, uh, which is another reason why this is evidenced uh, in our highest income earners, uh, either, uh, uh, you know, th that's why. Um, so uh, if you had asked, quite, and I wouldn't answer the question early in April, how are, how are tax collections? But now I'll answer it. Early in April, tax collections were very strong, um, which means that the average person um, didn't have such a bad year. Um, but, the, um, uh, but the extremely wealthy um, for perhaps a number of reasons, uh, um, uh, had a different year. You're going to be talking about this with lawmakers later today? Um, I, I think, I, I think we're, we have a conversation tomorrow, I think, is, is uh, I had invited uh, uh, Republican and Democratic leaders. Um, I, I do that on a regular basis, try to get people around the table to uh, have a conversation about the, the long-term trajectory of, of Connecticut and how we uh, change it. Uh, because income collections are lower than expected, how much more of, of a deficit are you going to have to plug over the next two years? Well, the budget that I proposed uh, was balanced, uh, and I stand by that budget um, for a lot of reasons, some of which you may or may not ask me about. But, but um, uh, so for, for my budget pur purposes, uh, if, if we uh, adjust the out years, say, $500 million or $600 million or $700 million, that that's what it is. Now, put it in perspective, that's a $20 billion budget. So um, uh, it is difficult, particularly after lean years. I mean, I, uh, when I gave my budget address, I pointed out that uh, if the legislature stayed within my spending uh, number, um, that would mean that we would have eight years in which our average increase uh, in spending would have been 2 percent or less. Um, and that's quite an accomplishment in a state where the average before that was 4.8 percent. You mentioned that your budget proposal was balanced, but the Appropriations Committee last week didn't even vote on a spending plan. How do you how do you get through that gridlock? Uh, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, I, I think uh, that uh, uh, you know I think Democrats and Republicans in the legislature have an obligation to do their job, um, and that means produce uh, uh, budgets uh, or at least come to the table uh, prepared to negotiate budgets that they're ultimately willing to support. We haven't seen that in Connecticut in 10 years. I want to take a call now. Richard's calling from Morris. Richard, you're on the show. Uh, good morning. Uh, the reason uh, I'd like to say the following is uh, many people think that the burden of economic activity and advantages are in the hands of, uh, say, the governor. Uh, I would like to point out that uh, I uh, have property here in the town of Morris and have been active in the town of Morris. Uh, what I have noticed is for about over a year, amazing, over a year, our Economic Development Commission, which is supposed to be involved in promoting economic activity, not just for the town of Morris, but to uh, ripple throughout the state of Connecticut with its advantages. I'll give you an example. Uh, the state of Connecticut has already paid for 
a loop of highways uh, that can be promoted as a tourism loop of highway around Bantam Lake, Route 109, 209, 202, Route 63, Circle of Highway. Litchfield and Morris already have important economic ad- uh, advantages of regarding some uh, tourism. But Bantam Lake, Connecticut's largest natural lake, could be promoted because there's property that uh, my family has, uh, used to be owned by Walter Mack, president of Pensacola Company. He called it top of the world. It's already zoned Lake Commercial. Uh, it can promote 300,000 square feet of built floor area to promote taxes, just not just for Morris, but to provide uh, a tourism advantage that is presently not here in the town of Morris. Again, our Economic Development Commission and Morris should be getting together with Litchfield. And of course, Litchfield and Morris should uh, recognize the advantages that can be not only for our uh, area, but the tourism advantages can have a ripple effect in the surrounding towns. Uh, again, promoting that tourism loop, what I call it, villages around the lake and woods. Thank you, Richard. I'm going to have the governor respond. Richard, I, if I remember correctly, the land you're referencing was also once owned by Yale University, or at least adjoins the property that was once owned by Yale University. Uh, uh, but, I, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I, economic development takes place on a national ba- basis, a state-by-state, a metro area, and, and ultimately uh, um, a local community. And um, uh, a lot of our communities are less accepting of economic development than others. I wanted to go back to uh, the gridlock uh, at the state capitol. Again, you're meeting with legislators, uh, as you say, tomorrow to, to see how you can compromise on a balanced budget before the end of the session, uh, uh, June 7th. Um, the Appropriations Committee uh, didn't vote, uh, Governor Malloy. The Finance Committee did. And something that you had said after they voted and their proposal didn't include um, any uh, new taxes, uh, you said in, in a quote that this year's budget should not and will not be driven by new revenue. Yeah. Tell us more about that, because if we're hearing that the deficit is going to grow even more, and when we talk about just cutting spending, how much more can you cut? Under your last six years, you have decreased state government by a considerable amount. What is left to cut? Yeah, no, I have decreased the size of state government uh, sizably, uh, while we've largely increased services. So we have created efficiencies over a period of time, and we've done that in a number of different ways, not the least of which is a fairly significant um, investment in technology that allows people to do more work uh, in less time, uh, for instance, uh, creating paperless uh, uh, systems um, uh, for analysis um, uh, or doing uh, field reports in the field as opposed to you know, making notes in a book and then going back and dictating a, 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 a report. So I, I think we need to continue to make those kinds of um, uh, in efficiency producing investments. I think that's part of what we, we need to do. Um, uh, quite frankly, you know, I listened to your intro, um, uh, and uh, you know, you, you talked about people being unhappy about taxes and people being on ta- unhappy about uh, cuts and being people unhappy about change. I, I, you know, I, it would be wonderful to have your job and be able to be all things to all people at all time. Uh, and, but that's your role. My role is to actually get the job done um, and to produce ultimately a budget that that's in balance and spends as little money as is necessary uh, to to perform the services that people desire uh, to the greatest degree or need to the greatest degree. And desire and need are sometimes different things. Would you um, support any type of, of tax increase, say, um, removing exemptions from, um, from sales tax? 
Um, you know, I, listen, I, 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 in my own budget, I had some tax changes. So, so it's not as if I'm against tax changes. But, but the idea that we're going to solve our problems by raising taxes, and then ultimately that very quickly shifts to raising taxes on the wealthiest individuals in our state, uh, 1% of which already pay about 30% of our income tax, uh, is a very dangerous game to play, and one which I have advised against time and time and time again uh, to, to pressure little uh, avail. We're getting a tweet from a listener, Sam. Uh, he writes, uh, he or she, marijuana legalization is an only issue where people are begging to be taxed. It would improve public health too. Uh, Governor Malloy, why not follow Colorado's success, according to Sam? I, I'm not sure it's a success, um, quite frankly. Um, but uh, that's ultimately a question for the legislature. Um, I, I think there's a difference between what we've done, and that is to decriminalize and, and to make available for certain uses uh, and endorsing. Um, but I, listen, the, the legislature would have to pass that legislation, and I don't think that there's any likelihood that the legislature is going to pass that legislation. This is where we live. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. We were talking about revenue. Uh, Adam from Waterford has a question. Adam, you're on the show. Yes, I am. Uh, thank you very much. And, uh, Dan, I, I'm a big fan of yours since your Norwich Town meeting when I heard you speak, and I applaud your public service. I'd like to solve the revenue problems of Connecticut in less than five minutes. Primarily, by looking at other states, you see that each one of them has tolls by plate. Now, that would make other residents who use Connecticut roads pay for our expenses. And Connecticut has the best roads in, in, in the country. Unfortunately, with the traffic, you see them at 15 miles an hour. Yeah. But I, I believe that uh, toll-by-plate with easy pass systems already in place is a very simple fix to help keep our roads maintained. And also, the other big question is sweepstakes gambling. I think that gambling should be allowed to everyone, not, not race-specific, or and especially when it comes off the reservation. And that would be a big uh, moneymaker for the state of Connecticut. Okay, a couple of quick things. Uh, on the transportation side, we clearly, uh, and I've been urging, this is literally from the day I was elected, been, been saying to the leadership, the elected leadership of Connecticut, um, that our revenue with respect to transportation is insufficient to maintain our current level of spending, and our current level of spending has been under an underinvestment for the greater part of 40 years. Uh, and then and then what happens is a bunch of people start to play politics with it. You know, do you want tolls? Don't you want tolls? Do you want to increase this? You don't, you don't want to increase this. W what I would love to, to, to actually see happen is a common acceptance that it's going to be very difficult to move Connecticut's economy forward on a long-term basis unless we solve uh, some of our transportation problems. I mean, you know, I, I refer to I-95 from the Greenwich border to uh, uh, at least through uh, Bridgeport is, is we, we treat that one as a, uh, as a parking lot. And then if you look at the Merritt, which is just a few miles away in that stretch, we treat that as a museum. Um, no other state does that. Uh, uh, and, and your point about tolls as, as a way to do it, there are other ways to raise the revenue. We don't have a common acceptance that we need to make the level of investment that we have to make. Um, and and uh, I've asked the legislature to, to do one thing uh, when it comes to transportation. That is pass a lockbox uh, so that, you know, so that you can then have a conversation about how much money you need to spend, how are you going to raise that money, and, and people in, in their homes don't have to be quaking that you're just going to raise money those ways to spend some other way or to dodge a hard decision that has to be made in the future. So on the transportation side, we're all in. And I, uh, uh, with respect to further gaming or less gaming, I'll say a couple of things. Number one, 
Uh, we are where we are. Uh, 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 prior legislators and, and uh, governors uh, made agreements uh, with the tribal nations. I have a very good relationship with the tribal nations. Uh, we can't ignore uh, the reality of our, uh, of our agreements uh, with those tribal nations uh, uh, at our peril. They are challenged. I, I want to be very clear uh, that uh, the folks in Massachusetts uh, want to take a, a sizable portion of the gaming uh, revenue out of Connecticut and put it into Massachusetts. Uh, that is a real challenge. Uh, the, the, I think the tribal nations are trying to find a way to be competitive. Uh, uh, I think we have to take a serious look at that. Uh, but, but you can't ignore the reality of the agreements that we have in place that, uh, that are a matter of, of uh, uh, you, you, in essence, you can't change them without giving up um, about $250 million worth of revenue. I thought that the chairman of both tribes had said that if the East Windsor Casino were to go forward, that they would that they would commit to to keeping that revenue with the slot revenue with the state of Connecticut. If for some reason the federal government said that this was not uh, this would uh, interfere or violate the compact. Yeah, again, that that is a point. Uh, of contention, whether they can in fact do that and that sort of thing, and that needs to be worked out. Again, you know, this legislative process was begun last year by the legislature without my input. Um, uh, I keep waiting for a legislative solution. I, I but however, I will say this: that that um, that revenue source in Connecticut during the time that I've been governor has declined mightily um, because of the additional uh, competition from other states. I mean, gaming in America is now ubiquitous. Um, when I was growing up, when I was a child, there was only one place in the country you could go to, 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 to uh, make a legal um, uh, uh, bet, uh, and that was Nevada. Now it's, it's, it's literally everywhere. I want to take a, another call. Uh, Beth is calling from Glastonbury. Beth, you're on the show. Oh, hi, Governor. How are you? Good. Um, I, I, um, two questions for you. Sure. I, I, I beg you, beg is not the right word, to not raise sales tax. It's so, I've, been, I've had a small business in Glastonbury for 15 years, and that would just be so hard to give people another reason not to shop local. Secondly, um, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I don't know if there's anything to be done about helping us in terms of seasonal hiring, just making it just the whole payroll tax and that whole burden that it is to businesses with less than five employees to kind of ramp up and down for seasonality. There would just be so much more small business growth if we could do that. So I guess those are my two questions for you today. Okay, I'll I'll give you a straight answer on on both of those. With respect to the challenges of five employees or less, I, I can't say that I'm an expert in that. You know, before I became the mayor of Stanford or the governor of Connecticut, I I had a small practice law firm that I was part of, and we had more than five employees. So I I can't say I'm expert. And if you want to send me some information of the challenges that that represents, I I I, I will read it and and. Uh, attempt to respond to you. Um, with respect to sales taxes, and our, our sales tax um, uh, on a national level is about midpoint um, when you consider that most other jurisdictions have local tax, so local sales tax, county sales tax, or some other form of uh, sales tax on top of their state sales tax. So at, at 6.35, uh, we're Midland. We're not, we're not at an extreme, um, as opposed to, you know, if you go down to a, a New York, which a, a substantial portion of our state borders uh, you're talking about sales taxes that are, are substantially higher when, when you consider the local, uh, the county, uh, and the state. Um, I, I don't know what the solution uh, ultimately will be. Uh, we have a lot of, uh, when it comes to sales tax, we have a lot of things that we have agreed not to tax. Um, and uh, 
Um, some of those probably make a lot of sense, and some of them may not make a whole lot of sense. So uh, people, I'm sure, will be taking a look at it, particularly in light of the shortfall uh, on uh, the income tax coming from our wealthiest citizens. And you said earlier that you're open to looking at whether to remove some exemptions on the sales tax? I'm open to I, what I've been saying uh, in my January address, in my February address, uh, in, in a very different form budget where I actually left $75 million to be allocated by Republicans and Democrats in the legislature this year, and I think it's 84 or $85 million next year. Uh, what I've said is I'm open to having discussions. Having said that, whatever we end up with as a budget um, uh, really has to live within our basic means. I, I don't think this should be a revenue-driven discussion. I think this should be a spending-driven um, discussion. But if we're going to have that discussion, we also have to be truthful. Um, don't ask me to produce a budget that's going to have savings that I know can't be produced. Don't ask me to sit around the table with state employees to reach a new agreement and then say, and, and, and by the way, you then have to lay them all off, you know, because <laughs> they're not going to reach a new agreement if you, if you reserve the right to lay everybody off. I, I, you know, some of this stuff uh, just may not make a whole lot of sense. And, and I think we're getting down to the point where we need to have more serious discussions about realities that present themselves uh, uh, in Connecticut. I, I'm, I'm prepared to have those discussions. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've looked at uh, Republican proposals. I've looked at Democratic proposals. Uh, some of those have ideas that make sense. Some of, some of the ideas don't make any sense. Speaking of unions, you've been working on negotiating some concessions with them in the tune of $700 million the first year of your mm -hmm. budget. How's that going? Uh, it's going. I, I don't, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm... Uh, uh, I'm hopeful. Uh, someone says, are you optimistic? I'm not optimistic. I'm hopeful. Um, uh, I think there's a recognition that uh, employees in, uh, will, will have to play a role, um, and, and I'm, uh, so I remain hopeful that we'll, we'll, we'll make progress. On the other hand, um, you know, some of the pronouncements coming out of, of the legislature uh, on budget issues raises additional questions for them. Um, if you're going to privatize all of these functions to reach a budgetary goal, what does that mean to their current employment status? How, how are we, how do we, what do we, what do we bargain uh, with a group of folks that you um, uh, need to bargain with? So uh, I'll continue to work at it. And if you don't get those concessions, we're talking how many layoffs? Uh, you know, I think it's some combination of thousands of layoffs and uh, even greater uh, cuts to spending um, that, than I would be comfortable with, but understand that we would have to make. This is where we live. Connecticut Governor Dana Malloy is here in studio. We'll take more of your calls after the break at 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Connecticut Governor Daniel Malloy is in studio with us to take your calls, your questions at 860-275-7266. Uh, something that we're hearing from uh, listeners and tweeters today, uh, Governor Malloy, is what's happening with uh, funding to improve the Excel Center? Um, I, I, listen, I, I, we own the, for all intents and purposes, we own the Excel Center. Uh, we either have to invest in it uh, or we have to tear it down. Um, uh, it's that simple. Uh, it will not 
go on much longer uh, without massive uh, uh, improvements. It won't be a, a competitive uh, environment. Um, and, you know, this is an interesting weekend. We had uh, a circus there, which was largely sold out night after night, performance after performance. Um, now, uh, we're going to have to be able to attract similar uh, uh, uses to, to that facility, which is one of the oldest of its kind in, in America. So I'm, there's money available to spend. Probably need to spend more money than is currently available. Um, uh, but I can't imagine a capital region without the Excel Center. Uh, Republican uh, Senate President Len Fasano has criticized uh, this idea of, of putting money towards the Excel Center when the state is facing an even growing deficit. Your reaction? Yeah, it's, it's you know, a, a, a relatively easy cheap shot. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't build it to, to begin with. Um, we need the facility. Uh, he knows that it would do great damage to the capital region. And if he doesn't know that, he should talk to the heads of Aetna and Travelers and United Technologies, and he should talk to the restaurants and the employers in the greater capital area and understand uh, the significant financial uh, impact of that facility uh, in, in the capital region. Uh, and he knows, and I know, uh, that to replace the, the facility new would cost uh, somewhere between $750 million and $1.5 billion. So so to invest uh, the kinds of money that we're talking about to modernize a, a facility uh, so that it continues to be a draw um, uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, Rick's calling from South Windsor. Rick, you're on the show. Hi. Thanks, Lucy. Uh, hello, Governor Malloy. Hello. Um, hi. So, you know, I've heard a lot in the, in the recent past about this exodus from Connecticut and people leaving. You know, we're very highly taxed. The, the weather, like you said, uh, really bad in the winter and hot in the summer. So why do people stay? And I think one of the reasons people stay is we have such wonderful natural beauty here. You know, it's a beautiful state. And I would just hate to see the uh, state parks, which I have seen recently, kind of deteriorating. And um, I just would hate to see that asset fall victim to uh, these budget cuts. You know, I'm going to so take you on. Uh, I, I agree with you, by the way. And if we could tax beauty, we would, we'd all be uh, very wealthy. Uh, but but uh, on the uh, investments in the parks, I'm actually kind of proud of that. I mean, I don't know whether you've, you've been down to uh, Sherwood Island where we made uh, significant new investments. Uh, and, and we've made new investments along all of the major facilities on the coast. And, and, and we're getting inland. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I visited the remaking of uh, ca uh, cabins in, in one of our parks where we have overnight cabin rental. Um, uh, having said that, uh, we probably need to spend more. I, 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 wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't debate that with you, but we've made some very uh, important and strategic investments, particularly when you consider what a beating Irene and Sandy gave uh, to our shoreline. Um, and that we had, uh, although we got some federal money, uh, we basically had to foot that bill by and large to, to re rebuild those facilities. And, and, and in doing that along the coast, perhaps we were delayed in doing some of the inland projects. But, but now uh, we need to get to those as well. Um, in your term, you have increased the, the state park fees at some of the parks. Um, over the last six years. Yeah, I, 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 name something that hasn't gone up in, in cost, uh, with, with the exception like, of yeah. electronics uh, in, 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 in the world that hasn't gone up. My salaries have gone up. Uh, benefits have gone up. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, it costs money to maintain facilities. Now, you can pay for that in part on a fee, uh, a fee basis, uh, which is what Connecticut has 
historically done, and then augmented the fee basis with additional uh, uh, capital expenditures and operating con uh, contributions from the general fund. Um, if we do away with fees, then we're just going to have to raise that money up some other way. Um, and that's, again, the legislature can, can debate that, but, but you need to spend money on these facilities if you're going to keep them uh, desirable. I want to go back to your budget proposal, um, Governor Malloy, in terms of, of two big, um, big proposals that the legislature doesn't seem to agree on. One is, uh, you know, asking municipalities to pay one third of teacher pension costs and the other taxing hospitals. If you can't get agreement on those two things, explain again how you're going to try to figure out a way to balance the, the two year budget. The next one. Well, I, you know, we, we don't have an agreement on anything right now. So uh, we, we won't know what the agreement is until we have one. Uh, but you know, one of the interesting points I made about um, uh, the teacher's retirement, we're the only state that funds retirements this way for teachers, the only one. I, in fact, when I pointed out in a speech at the legislature um, that uh, how we fund uh, the teacher's pension, I, I had a long-term member of the legislature uh, who was a uh, committee chair, call me and tell me that in all the years he served in the legislature, he didn't realize that, that we were the sole funder along with the teachers. Um, these are municipal employees. I listened to uh, uh, senators from different parts of the state uh, argue that Connecticut's fixed costs are too great, right? But one of the reasons our fixed costs are greater than other states is we're the only state that funds teachers' pensions this way. Uh, in essence, I mean, let's take it to the extreme. Why don't we fund all police pensions, all fire pensions, all custodial pensions, all, you know, why don't we just fund everybody's pension? Um, but we, we have this carve-out. Uh, and quite frankly, the carve-out is no longer affordable. Um, and so finding a mechanism to share that long-term obligation so that the financial marketplace understands we take these obligations seriously uh, and uh, is going to be very important. That's point number one. Point number two, uh, since the Great Recession, uh, property taxes have been more stable than other ta forms of taxation. And in the state of Connecticut, I'm very proud that, that when, when many cities and towns were on their knees in, in, in 2011 and 2012, we stepped up. Uh, and helped out to a far greater extent than any other state in the nation. In fact, at one point, we were one of only six states to actually increase funding to municipal uh, government. I think in one year, we were only one of two. Um, so at some point, you, you, you can't continue to, to uh, uh, treat realities with, without addressing to, to new situations. And the new situation is uh, that, that uh, property taxes are very stable. Uh, and what we're seeing, particularly in a system that's very dependent on our wealthiest individuals, uh, 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 another tax system that's not as stable. Uh, and sharing those, ultimately sharing those costs are important. Now, number, that's number one. Number two, you've ignored what I'm trying to get at. Uh, in trying to share those additional uh, uh, costs. And that is that we are under uh, supporting about 30 school districts in this state that uh, educate the vast majority of our black children, our brown children, our children in poverty, our children of parents who, who are not particularly well-educated themselves. We know what communities they live in. We know how, how, how high their tax rates are as compared to the, the average tax rate. Uh, we, know, we have a court decision that says that our system is unfair. I'm trying to address it, uh, and one of the ways to address that is to find the revenue necessary to bring those schools systems up to the standard that you or I would like our children to be educated in. Um, and, uh, you know, there are, there are competing proposals out there. One is to do that over 30 years, and another is to do it over 10. I want to do it today.
Christino uh, tweets, in regards to higher ed, surrounding states like Rhode Island and New York are offering free college for residents. Would this ever be possible here in Connecticut, Governor? Sure. We just have to raise taxes. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, you, you can't have it both ways. I mean, one of the great things and interesting, I'll go back to an earlier part of my discussion uh, about making investments in urban environments. Um, in the greater uh, tri-state area around uh, uh, New York City, you need to understand that nine out of 10 jobs created since the Great Recession were actually created in New York City. Just wrap your head around that. Um, because they made investments in transportation, because they uh, made investments in public safety, because they made investments in, in improving the education. Now, imagine if Connecticut had been the situs of nine out of 10, all uh, Metro New York jobs having been created were actually in, in Connecticut. Not only did that not happen, there are real reasons it didn't happen. And the real reason it didn't happen, it might partially be taxes, but it's really transportation and housing and costs, not tax costs, Cost of housing, which we underinvested in, cost of transportation time-wise uh, and, and reliability-wise. Uh, and until we're going to come to grips with these larger issues, as well as our day-to-day -day mundane things like how, should, how high should taxes be, uh, we're not going to be as competitive uh, as some of our neighbors to the north or our neighbors to the south or our neighbors to the west. We've got less than two minutes, Governor. What do you hope to accomplish in the next two years? Are you committed to staying on till January 2019? Yeah, I, I, no, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's my assumption. I, you know, unless you know something, I'm uh, asking you. I, you know, <laughs> how's your job? Maybe I should. Maybe I should be do this every every morning. This, you this have to be likable. You have to be likable. Oh, are you saying I'm not likable? <laughs> yeah, that's hurtful. That's rather hurtful. I, I have to say. I, uh, uh, you know, I was liked enough to get elected uh, mayor of my hometown for 14 years and liked well enough to be governor for uh, uh, two terms and, and to be elected. So that's a little harsh. Oh, I don't think so. Well, then, <laughs> now, then, then your, we respectfully disagree. Yeah, your approval rating is pretty low. A lot of residents we hear from aren't real happy with uh, your legacy. What the, do you say to them? We've got less than a minute. The total percentage of radio listeners in Connecticut who listen to this station is relatively low. Does that mean you're a bad station? I'm not saying we're a bad no, station. Right. And, and so I'm, I'm doing my job every but day. You, but you serve a lot of people in the state of Connecticut, and some of them are not happy with your legacy. What would you tell them? Yeah, and you try to serve a lot of people in the state of Connecticut, and relatively few of them listen to you. So what, what would you say happened? I, what I would say is we're doing really hard things, and, and I'm teasing you a little bit. Uh, uh, we're doing really hard things, um, and improving education and lowering crime and building infrastructure uh, and making long-term investments in, in higher education. You know, the uh, engineering school at, at uh, the University of Connecticut will be 70% larger uh, than it was the day I was elected, even though uh, we found ways to save money. Our crime is lower, even though we took $70 million out of the corrections budget last year. These are hard yeah. things to do. And quite frankly, they're, we they're, need to leave they're, it there, Governor Malloy. But thank you for coming on the show. A lot of people do listen. Thank Thanks. you.